All that mattered. It mattered significantly because it put him in a place to really have a voice. It put him in a place to cast the vision of God. It put him in a place to show that God's wisdom is going to triumph the wisdom of this world. And that's exactly the same mirrored thing that we see in Christ. He invaded this foreign world of thinking and foreign ways to what? To preserve life, to bring life to us. We were already condemned. We were already fallen. He didn't come to condemn us. We were already condemned. He came to give us life. He came to bring heaven's ways into this foreign thinking to influence us, to invade us, to interrupt us, to bring us out of that trap, to bring us out of that darkness, and to bring us into His light to walk with Him. So when we think about everything in life matters when God sends you, that the means how you get there matters, that God's in it, God's behind it, God brought us to this place where we are today. The mission that He's given us matters, and that is to bring His life to a foreign world. Then what we do while we do that, the ministry really matters. And that's what we see with Jesus, how He is serving, how He's ministering to people to bring life to them. And how did He continue to do that? How did He do it effectively? How did He do it in a way that we, in Him, can learn to continue to uh, see God do marvelous things with us in this foreign world we live in. Because we are, we are sojourners, amen? We are pilgrims doing what? We're just passing through. This world is not our home. We're in a foreign world. Now, the, the cosmos, the natural world, is our Father's world. But the thinking in this world that we engage every day of our life, that's not our Father's world. That's the enemy's world. But we've been sent by Him to what? Penetrate that world. We've been sent to penetrate that world, to invade that world, to interrupt that world, to influence that world with the life that He has given us and the ways that He's given us so that we can fulfill the same mission that he had. He, he was sent, just like Joseph was sent. We've been sent. He even prays. Jesus even says that, Father, as you have sent me, I've sent my disciples. As you've done to me, I've done to them. As you've given me, I've given to them. You brought me here, I've brought them here. It's just the way that we are as his, and then we see him doing these things in them to serve them, to minister to them so that he brings that life to this foreign way of thinking. We see the heartbeat of, of this work that Jesus is doing and why he does what he does. And we got to keep in mind that we do have an enemy and that enemy is that way of thinking. And one of the, the tactics of the devil is that he really doesn't mind you or anybody else not knowing of his manipulation. He's quite, he's quite content with being obscure. It's just, that's part of his schemes. He doesn't, he's not threatened if you don't give him credit. 
from manipulating your thought process or manipulating a world that he governs of darkness, their thought process. They don't have to give him credit. He, he couldn't care less if he's even known to be in the picture. He considers it a win, even though God's not threatened, because there ain't nothing threatens God. And praise, praise Jesus. Amen? Nothing. He is not threatened by anything. His wisdom is not threatened by anything. But the enemy considers it a win when we or anyone doubts or discredits the essence, the exactness, the enjoyment of God. That's his tactic. Remember when he came, to the, Satan had come to Jesus after fasting for 40 days and the scripture says he was hungry and he came and attempted him. What was the first thing that Satan did? What was the first words that he used in chapter 4? He says, if you are the Son of God. Now was Jesus the Son of God? Was that in question? Let me ask you this. Do you, do you think Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God? Without question. Does Satan believe God? Does he believe that God is God? Yes. But he doesn't rejoice in it. He can't celebrate it. He doesn't treasure it. It's not something that is life to him. It is something that he is anti Against, But he knows he's God. He knows he's the Son of God. But he wants Jesus in his flesh, in the natural, which Jesus had to be tempted. It had to happen. He had to go through the temptations to relate to us and also to teach us how to deal with the temptations. But his first tactic was this, and it will always be this, is to question the essence of God. That's why the Bible also teaches us just the flip side. The scriptures teach us that faith, it is impossible to please God apart from what? From faith. You've got to have faith. And faith only comes from one way. And what way does faith come to us? From hearing and hearing from who? So you can't just generate faith on your own. You've got to hear from God. And that word's got to come from Him. And it says that it's impossible to please God apart from faith. But he that comes to God must believe that he is what? That he is God. That he is the essence of God. Uh, that it, he is God in nature, in being, that it's unquestionable that he is God. So what the enemy wants to do, and he doesn't need you to know he's doing it, but he, all his tactic is, is to get you and me or any of us to question that essence, the very essence of God. And that's what he was attempting to make Jesus do, to question his own essence, his own nature. Who are you? Well, I'm, I'm God in flesh. I'm the Son of God. Jesus didn't play the game with him. Because he wasn't going to let the enemy manipulate him. Who was Jesus leaning on? He was leaning on his father. He was filled with the spirit. He was led by the spirit. He was led by God. He wasn't going to be misled by the enemy. But the enemy, no matter who he was facing, even though he's facing God now, 
and he knows he's facing God, his tactic is to make him question his essence. Make him question his exactness, what he's saying. Is it really right what you're saying? Making him question the expectation of God, what God expects to make him question that. God surely didn't say. You see, that's, that's what the enemy does. And any time we question God's essence, his exactness, his expectations, and the enjoyment of God, what brings God pleasure, we're playing in to the enemy's tactics. We're being duped by the schemes of the enemy. Even though we don't have to uh, uh, say that we stand with him and agree with him, we're doing what he does in the natural. Wow, the flesh, the flesh, listen to me, the flesh does not subject itself to God. It questions God's essence. That's why you can't approach God in the flesh. You approach God by what? Faith. You heard from God. You believed God. You believe that He is God. If He's God, I'm not God. Amen? If He's God, He's got the answer. If He's God, he, his, his answers are exact. His, and, and, and when we question the exactness of God and we start bringing in confusion and we start getting away from clarity, then we start questioning what God expects. And when we start questioning what God expects, then we put what God enjoys in discredit. We don't know what He, what He expects or what He enjoys. So it all has an effect to get us away from the essence of who He is. And you can believe that He is God and still question the essence of that He is God. Because if He says it, we can cling to it. Amen? It all goes back to His trustworthy is God trustworthy? He is trustworthy. So when God sends you, you can trust Him. Amen? When God speaks to you, you can trust Him. When God gives you something, you can trust Him. So trusting the means that God is behind this allows me then to actually put myself in position to know that because He's behind this, I have a mission. And that mission is to transfer life. And to do that effectively, I've got to be able to serve or minister people because my objective is to bring them life. And that life is not mine. My, that life is the essence of the one who sent me. That's what I want to give away. Amen? And so the enemy is wanting to come against us on these things. So no matter what we got to face, no matter what we have to go through, when I know God sent me and he's brought me here, and I'm on this journey because of what he's doing. I don't have to question his essence. I don't have to question his exactness of what he said. I can take him at his word. I don't have to question what his uh, enjoyments are. I don't, have to question, I don't have to question what his expectations are from me or what his expectations are in a thing or from something because God gives me clarity on that because I take him at his word. Now, Jesus could have easily cast Satan into the lake of fire, but he didn't. What did he do? Jesus reverted to not the enemy, but he stood on the authority of the word of God. Amen. That man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Stand on the
exactness of God. Stand on the, what God said. You can cling to it. It's life. It's his expectations. It's what's his enjoyment. And you can cling to that and walk in it. And that's how we want to serve and minister to people. So, with that in mind, we are sinners fallen in that depravity. And there's nothing man can do for man that can cure that disease and sin sickness. The key is, is having the cure for sin before the disease of this world and sickness kills us. Are you with me? You got to know Jesus before this world and its sinfulness and its sicknesses take you out of here. So you got to know Jesus to cure. And he's the only one that can cure the leper spots, can change them. He's the only one that can cure the leprosy. He's the only one that can cure cancer. He's the only one that can cure sin. And when God transforms us, he does something supernatural with us. He sends us to go be a witness for him, to go testify for him. Peter and Andrew and John and James, remember when they were out fishing and they come in with their boats and they didn't have no fish? And Jesus got in one of them's boat and was teaching and he told them to launch out and they said, we've been fishing all night and we ain't caught nothing. But they did it anyway. And what did the three things Jesus tell them to do? Jesus said, launch out. Let down your net. Let down your net. Lift your net up. That's our life as fishermen. Launch out. Let down. Lift it up. Let God do the work. Amen. We're, we're the vessels. Launch it out. Let it down. Lift it up. The scripture says they lifted up those nets and there were so many they had to call their buddies over. They had to call their partners over. And they come up, Tommy, with that boat and their partners came and they were dragging them on nets and they was loading their boat up. And what did their boat start doing? They had so many fish they started saying They just needed a few more partners out there. Amen. I believe if they had more partners, they'd have had more fish. And that's like us. That's what we do. The gift this morning, the gifts you give, the gifts we give, the things we do, the places we go. God's opening doors for ministry so that we can what? Continue to launch out, let down the net, and lift it up and partner with people to be fishers of men. Amen? To minister to people, to bring life, to bring life to people. So this testimony, go be a testimony to them. As we close, I want you to think about this today. For us, if God's our means, if He's given us a mission, He's given us our ministries, the report, the news, the sound, the echo went around concerning Jesus all the more. Can't help it. And great multitudes together came to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. News flies, they come. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and did what? He prayed. Great ministry. Great work that he ministered with and for God. But you know what his life source was in all that ministry? He had to have times of intimacy 
where he got away by himself with the Father. You can't serve and serve and serve and serve and not find rest and refreshing and intimacy in the secret place under the wings of the Almighty to be an effective minister for the glory of God. Amen? And that's what we want to think about as we enter in to our, our coming days ahead of us of God's our means, He's given us a mission, He's given us a ministry. See, to touch people's lives for the Lord, our lives must be touched by the Lord. To touch people's lives for the Lord, our lives must be touched by Him. Jesus' life was touched by His Father. It was filled and led by the Spirit. But even being filled and led by the Spirit, you've got to keep in mind, the Spirit often led him into the wilderness. The Spirit led him into prayer. The Spirit led him into a place where he met with his Father, where the Father refreshed him, spoke to him, ministered to him, so that he could minister with him and for him. Just a couple little things for us to think about. Public ministry, which we're all in, all of us, what did he tell that leper? Go go to the public, go to the priest, and go be a testimony to them what just happened to you. Joseph was in a public ministry, wasn't he? God sent him to Egypt in a foreign world, gave him a kingdom mission, and put him before the public. You and I cannot avoid the public. Why? We are in the people business for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? So we are in a public ministry. Public ministry for Jesus requires private moments with Jesus. With Jesus. Don't neglect your times in the morning with Jesus. You need them. Amen? You need them. You need them. Continue in. I talked to you last week. Don't tiptoe, don't tiptoe through the Word without God. The only way to walk with God, the only way to learn from Him is you've got to walk with Him by faith. You've got to put your confidence in His trustworthiness. You want, to, you want to trust His essence. You want to trust His exactness, what He says. You want to take His expectations and make them yours. And you want His enjoyment to be your enjoyment. And that only comes from spending time with Him. So a life that carefully touches lives with and for the Lord must be consistently touched by the Lord. And that's what we find here with Jesus. The greater the multitudes, the greater the influence in the ministry, the more often we see him slipping away to meet with his father, to be touched, to go back out and do it again. We just don't want to get caught up. Is it easy to get caught up in life's routine and just go and blow and do and neglect what is most essential in the work of doing that? If we're going to touch lives, we got our lives has to be touched. It has to be transformed. It has to be renewed consistently and regularly on a daily basis so that we can effectively minister and transfer that life to those that God's given us. Serving others for God. Let's put a little quote. Serving, quote, unquote, serving others for God while not being served by God 
is nothing more than walking through this life without God. If that makes sense to you. Quote, unquote. You ever said that before? I'm serving God. But you really ain't spent no time with God to serve God. Are you with me? I'm out doing the work of the Lord, but I ain't really heard from God. I hadn't spent time with Him. I hadn't, uh, I'm just going and going. I'm kind of in a motion type thing. So, but serving others for God while not being served by Him is nothing more than walking through life without Him. And we cannot walk through life without Him. That's the testimony of faith. That's what Hebrews teaches us again and again. That's what we learned as we was going through Genesis with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so many others. Enoch and Elijah and Elisha, all these men, uh, specifically Joseph, as we illustrate him with Jesus, the testimony kept saying, he walked with God. God was with him. God was with him. He spoke for God. He ministered for God. Why? Because God sent him. God gave him a mission, and he was God's minister. He was God's man that put him in the place to do that work. And he walked with him. And as he walked with him, God used him to influence people for the glory of God. They recognized God's favor and presence upon his life and the blessings that came with it, just like they recognized with Jesus. And if you and I, individually, corporately, together, are going to do this ministry that God's given us, we got to be touched by him. got to be transformed by him. we got to put our confidence in his trustworthiness and meet with him again and again and again just to hear what he has for us in a given day. Amen. His mercies are new every single day. New mercies for fresh work, for a fresh witness, for fresh praise. Amen. Every day hearing from the king. We cannot neglect that. And as we close, just keep this in mind because I think it will help you. We, there's so much we can learn out of Luke. We just don't have the time to dig in every, every ounce of it. But Jesus said those words about the Spirit being upon him because the Father had anointed him. And the Father anointed him to preach good news, glad tidings to the poor, to the poor in spirit. Don't be taken back when you go out. God sent you. You got a mission to bring life. And you're going to minister to people. And not everybody hears what you got to say. And not everybody sees what you're doing. Because remember, in Christ you have an anointing upon your life to proclaim that news you have, that report of God, the work of God. It is, there's an exactness to it, as we've been talking about. Remember, that essence and the exactness, that anointing upon our work is for the humble, the poor in spirit. They are the ones who possess the kingdom of God. They're the ones who hear. Now, will God break up that ground of a proud heart and do that and do some work and all? Of course He will. But don't be offended when they don't respond positively to your message. They did it with Jesus. They're going to do it with us. It's just inevitable. But keep this in mind. You've been gifted by God with a word and that word is for the poor in spirit. And when they hear it, they're going to hear it. 
and they're going to respond to it, and they're going to glorify God in it. Amen? And you just keep going and telling the good news of what you know and who you've been walking with. Let God be God, and you be a servant who's listening and walking with him. Launching out where he sends you, letting down your net where he tells you, lifting it up as he keeps filling it up for his glory. Get some partners with you. Get some boats to come alongside you. And let's just keep fishing for men. Amen? Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you. Love you. Ask you to help us with these things. We need you right now more than we ever did. And um, we don't want to find ourselves consistently questioning who you are, what you're doing, why you do it, and how you do it. We just want to rest in your trustworthy faithfulness and praise you and thank you and celebrate you and ask you to make us more and more like Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, the scriptures in that passage there, it says when uh, Peter saw it, when Peter saw it, he saw it, he saw it. When he saw it, the scripture says that he bowed down and he pleaded the Lord to depart from him. See, when he saw it, he perceived it and understood it differently when he saw it. God's sending us out to people that just, they hadn't seen it yet. But we keep going and keep doing. And when they see it, they'll perceive it and understand it differently as he did as well. Just like us, amen? You perceive and understand everything differently when you see who you're in the presence of, who you're walking with, who sent you, who's given you a mission, who's given us a ministry. Everything changes when we see it, when we see it.